The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is Ibadi X, and this is The Candid Frame. The age of digital has provided young photographers the ability to test the limits of what's possible in photography. Digital cameras, Photoshop, and their own ideas have allowed them to move beyond simply documenting something to completely unleashing their imagination. The results are beautiful and challenging conceptual photographs that would have been difficult if not impossible for an enthusiast to achieve several years ago. Anya Anti is a Ukrainian-born photographer who has used modern-day tools to create photographs that have found a worldwide audience and has provided her a career as a professional photographer. But it's been her ability to convert her dreams into real-world images that provide her her greatest satisfaction. Well, welcome to The Candid Frame. I'm really excited to have a chance to, to meet and talk with you. Thank you. Uh, you know, you're originally from Ukraine, and I know that before you picked up a camera, you had an interest in, in painting and drawing. And I'm wondering what, if any, sort of influence the art of your homeland may have influenced you then and, and now. Uh, you mean like my culture, my national right. culture? Because I know historically, you know, there's there's a long history of just beautiful work produced by painters and architects from the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, um, some of the work that I've seen uh, is tied into like a lot of folk tales, and I know a lot of your work involves like fantasy and imagination and dreams. And I was wondering what, if any, influence that may have had, you know, in your development in terms of what you what you create. Well, it's hard to say. I cannot say like I've been influenced by any of my national uh, culture or history. But when I was a kid, like, as you already know, I was uh, into uh, painting and uh, drawings. So when I was um, like seven or eight years old, I went to art school. Well, it it wasn't classical art school. It was uh, like Ukrainian traditional decorative painting style called Petrikivka. So it's like uh, flowers and floral uh, decorative painting. So I was attending uh, an art school and studying this kind of paintings when I was a kid. I'm not sure that it influenced me, but it definitely helped me to evolve as an artist because I learned how to draw. I learned about color a little bit. Maybe I can say that it helped me a little bit, but not sure if it influenced me as a photographer. Well, just the fact that, you know, they had you know, time dedicated to you learning the arts. Here in the States, there's not a big emphasis on that. You know, it may be in college, but unfortunately for a lot of the schools, the arts have been sort of supplanted by, you know, reading and writing and the sciences to some degree. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting that uh, where you're from, that at least at the time, they still had a belief in the importance of learning some aspect of art. Well, yeah. I mean, this uh, this class wasn't a part of my... Uh, like school program so it was like additional 
But in my school, we had a drawing class. We like learned to draw in school a little bit. Not not seriously, but still, it was a, like a, a class that you had to attend. And what and what led you to your interest in photography? Uh, well, it's hard to say. So back in the day, uh, a lot of uh, like internet became more more and more popular. So I started to read like blogs and watch people doing different things. And I saw people doing photography, and I really liked it and fell in love and. Uh, realized that it may be my my thing because I wasn't painting for a while. I wasn't doing any kind of art, and I was trying to figure out when I, what what I want to do with my life. It was uh, in 2008 when I first bought my camera. And what were you seeing? Can you give me an, an example of someone's work who you saw and you felt like like wow? Oh, it was so long time ago. I cannot even find and cannot even remember this person's name. Uh, she wasn't a professional. She was just like blogger, a girl who like, took pretty pictures, and um, I can't really even remember her name right now. <laughs> but can you remember a sense of what you saw? You, you may not be able to remember her name, but... Well, it was just a pretty picture. She took pictures of flowers and like her uh, pets, like a cat, and she used a fast lens, and it was so pretty because the background was blurred, which which is for me was like, wow, this is so like professional. <laughs> um, yeah. It was it, it sounds funny right now. Well, your, your images are anything but, you know, pictures of, of, of cats. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but I think we all started, we all started like from there taking pictures of cats and flowers. So w- when, when did you sort of make the leap? When did you start moving beyond simply documenting what you saw and what was in your life and started thinking about maybe I can actually sort of create something from whole cloth? Yeah, so the first year or year and a half I was doing, like you said, I was just starting and taking pictures of the things that surround me, like my, I don't know, like city landscapes. I I had no idea what exactly what is my style. So I was taking pictures of everything around what I see, like flowers and, I don't know, animals, friends. And um, about after a year and a half, uh, I did my first portrait photo shoot. I met this girl. She wasn't a professional model, but she was like uh, an amateur and she just loved taking pictures. And she proposed me like, let's do a photo shoot together. And I said, okay, let's do that. And um, I loved it. It felt good. I really loved it. And I think that's when I started doing portraits. And uh, in 2011, I started doing this fantasy, surreal, female portraits, which I still do now, and which became like my whole hallmark of my work. And was there a particular inspiration for that? Or you had you seen other work that sort of led you to that? Or you were you a big fan of, you know, like maybe fantasy literature? Or, or? No, I wasn't a fan of literature, but I saw a lot of, I mean, I think it was like a mainstream back then doing uh, like square film-like uh, photographs, you know, like making film style photographs, you know, adding grain and like film scratches, you know, in Photoshop and uh, like film colors. I think it was mainstream uh, back then. And um, I loved, I loved it. A lot of photographers were doing it. And um, yeah, I think that's how I started. I started just doing, I'm not, I cannot say they were fairy tale when I just started doing like not standard female portraits, you know. But they had that feeling, I guess, feeling of dreaming. 
And you, and you largely are self-taught. So you sort of learned, you know, those things as you, as you went along. What were some of the resources that you used in order to learn not just about the camera and what, what it was capable of, but also Photoshop and, and being able to use all those, all those tools to be able to create what you had envisioned in your mind? Uh, yes, I'm a self-taught. So back then there was not as many or not, not as much information as it is right now. Like if you go online and Google, you can find tons of articles, tons of YouTube videos, so many people sharing their experience and you can just click on a video or an article and read and find so much information. But um, seven years ago, there were like a couple of websites and uh, internet speed wasn't as fast as it right now. Like you cannot, you wasn't able to use your cell phone, you know, to cell phones didn't have any internet access right? So it was pretty hard. And I didn't have any friends photographers who would like share their experience or like give me an advice or whatever. So I tried to learn as much as possible from the internet. So learning Photoshop, I started actually earlier than I started doing photography, because I wanted my pictures to look good, you know, some little bit of retouching or adding contrast or saturation to my photographs. There was this website, Russian website called DemiArt, don't confuse with Deviant Art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I learned a lot of things from that. I'm not sure if it's still out there, if it's still popular. But seven years ago, it was really huge. They have they had a lot of articles and they had a forum where people shared pictures and like giving advice or criticism and stuff like that. So this was one of those websites where I learned a lot. And uh, like a little from there, a little from there. So... I think you, you, it's interesting because a lot of people who, you know, who say that they self-taught, you think that oftentimes it's done in completely in complete isolation. But sometimes, you know, what they what they actually do is they're not just learning the technique, but they find a community of like-minded photographers, and it looks like you found that in this in this message board in this place where people were posting work. How important was having people that you could connect with? in your development as a photographer? I think it was very important because when I posted my photographs, I've got like feedback and it wasn't always good. And I didn't like it, of course, but at the same time, I tried to like acknowledge it and um, like to overthink uh, what I do wrong and fix it and do better next time. So I think it really helped, even that I don't didn't like it. Like nobody likes to be criticized, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, but in the same time, like on some level, I tried to accept that, you know, and make my work better. Also, I figured out that one thing also helped me a lot to evolve as a photographer is I looked on photographs that I really, really liked from other people and I tried to analyze how they did it. Because one thing I figured out that um, this was, uh, there was one girl that I really liked uh, her work and I'm... Tried to figure out how she how she did it, and I saw a couple of her before and after fo- photographs. You know how people post right. mm-hmm. bef- before pr- post production and after, and that really really helped me to figure out how she did that, how she did the color. Sometimes she transformed, you know, like stretched the borders to make the frame bigger, and that was like a revolution to me that people can actually do that. <laughs> so it really helped me to come to the point where I started to doing a little bit of compositing 
like transforming and liquefying not only the model, but space uh, around the model as well. Do you think that that was part of the allure of it? was figuring things out, not simply just making a pretty photograph, but the challenge of trying to figure out how you were going to do it? Oh, exactly. And also and uh, a desire to be better than the people that I followed. Ah, okay. Yes. A little bit of competitiveness there. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it helped. <laughs> definitely. So when you started, you know, to become much more serious about your your work and you were sort of getting getting it out there, did you start seriously thinking about, well, I'm really having fun with this, but maybe I can make this my life? At, at what point did you start thinking about how you might be able to do that? Well, at first, of course, I had no idea that it's going to be like my profession or my like life career, but... I think the first time I realized I can actually make a living of it is when I graduated my uh, university and I got a, a, like a job offer in my university to take pictures of like professors and classrooms and like the process of education. Mm-hmm. It didn't last long. It was like just maybe six months I've been doing that job. But that was the first time when I realized uh, like I can make money out of photography. So after that gig was over, what did you what did you figure out to do next? I found my first real job in a, it was a web designing studio, but they looked for a product photographer because they had an um, online store of uh, traveling equipment. Okay. And they were looking for a product photographer. Which is really different from the kind of work that you were aspiring to oh, do. Oh yeah, it was totally different, but still it was like in the same industry, it was a photography job, and um, it gave me some experience. What, what did you learn from doing that kind of work, even though it isn't in line with what you're doing now? What What were the takeaways that you that, you, that came away from that, neither good or, or 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 things that you said, okay, this is a good way of doing things, and maybe something else that said, oh, I definitely don't want to do it this way or do this. Well, way. it definitely helped me to realize I don't want to do front of photography. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, it didn't help me in terms of, of my fine art photography, but it helped me a lot to be better in retouching because right now I'm a professional retoucher, a freelance retoucher. It definitely helped me to be a better retoucher. So is that how you, one of the ways that you sort of started earning a living is by offering your services as a retoucher? I started doing it relatively, uh, I mean, recently, before I moved to the United States, I started doing high-end retouching. And right now in New York, it helps me, you know, to pay my my bills. Okay. But like seven, six years ago, I wasn't a professional retoucher. I was trying to be a photographer. I've learned about retouching a lot. So what led you to decide to move from the Ukraine to to the United States and specifically New York? It's pretty easy. I won a green card lottery. (laughs) Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Tell me about that. I'm not familiar with those. uh, Well, have you heard about it? I've heard about it, but if you can give me some more details, that'd be great. Uh, Well, it's pretty easy. It's uh, every year in October, it like uh, open... it, um, like this thing is open online to apply every year in October. So you just go to the website and um, you apply, you send us short information about yourself, a picture, like your name, your um, origins, where you're from, where you live, uh, like what's your, what's your education. And that's pretty much it. And then 
they select uh, randomly several amount of people. I'm not sure about the numbers, but it's like maybe a couple of thousands for each country. I know it's 50 countries all over the world, and um, I think they give like 50,000 visas every year, but I'm not sure. I might be wrong. So the next year, the results are available online, and you just go and check. And then it's a very long process where you apply documents and then um, like you, you send paper documents, not online. I think right now it's online, but three years ago it wasn't online. So you had to send actual paper documents to United States and then uh, receive like confirmation back and then appointment to the embassy where they give you like an immigrant visa. They give, in, they give you, like, you go through the interview and then they give you a six-month visa when you can um, come to the country, uh, like, legally. And then after that, you receive your green card. So it's a very long process. It's, it took us um, more than a year. Wow. Well, st- starting from me applying and to the point where we moved, it took us two years. And when you say we, who, who is that? Me and my husband. Okay. Yes. Because when the one member of a family wins a green card, the rest of the family goes uh, with with the person. So what were you what were you expecting when you moved here, and what surprised you? I was really expecting for new opportunities because, unfortunately, in Ukraine, I've reached pretty much the top level where I could like move further because uh, fine art photography is not really like it's popular among photographers and people like pretty pictures, obviously, but it's not something you can make a living from. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do workshops, and that's pretty much it. We don't have galleries. People cannot afford buying prints or paying big money for a photo shoot, you know, or, like, commercial photography is not really evolved yet, and um, they usually don't hire fine art photographers. They usually just hire, like, you know, fashion photographers or commercial photographers. Mm-hmm. So I really was hoping that I can become an artist and I can like, not just a hobby, you know, but my profession, to, to make it my profession. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure New York is the right place for that. And what surprised you about about the United States when you got here? Especially in relationship to your, to your aspirations as a photographer. It's really hard to say, but I saw that there's so much money here. Like you can earn money in a really good money. Like you can do a photo shoot and you can get paid like 5,000 for a shooting day. For me, it was like, wow, oh my mm. God, this is such a big money. I mean, for example, like you can get more or less than 5,000, but just like an example. And it really surprised me that any kind of photography can get, you know, paid. Even fine art, you can sell prints for huge money. For me, it was like, wow. It was really shocking for me because there's this really huge industry here. Photography is not just, you know, hobbies, doing pictures. It's really huge business. Yeah. And I started to learn more about business because in Ukraine, it was just, like I said, I was just doing workshops and doing photo shoots. Like, I, I did a wedding photography, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. It was good money, but that's pretty much it. 
Well, as you said, you know, the business of photography, especially in New York, is significant. And it's also very challenging to understand the business side of things as opposed to being creative. You mentioned earlier that the, you know, the Russian Messenger Board really helped you in terms of learning about the creative side of things. How did you meet the challenge of having to learn about the, the business and the financial side of things? Oh, I still I still have challenge about that. I still know very little about that because now I now I realize that I have I had no idea about business in Ukraine. So I started learning it only here in New York. And it's been only three years, so I really know very little about it. And I feel like this is something people are not very willing to share, you know, because it's money and it's like competition between photographers. Um, so I'm still learning that. One of the images that I saw that really piqued my interest was butterflies in my stomach. Oh, yeah, it was huge. It, 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 it's gone viral. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it was just everywhere. Yeah, I know. Tell me about that image, because you talked about in one of the articles I read that it's a re reflection of your own feelings of anxiety. And then that was sort of a, a way of you being able to express your personal experience with anxiety in a photograph. Well, I cannot say that I have like regular anxiety problems, but I can say I've been like struggling with dark feelings, I mean, in the past couple of years. And I think it's because of my moving here, because it's pretty hard, you know, and challenging to like live behind all, all your life, all your friends, all your parents, like everything, all your career, because I've already had career in Ukraine. I've People know me over there in Ukraine, Russia. People know me. I'm well. I'm not as like super popular, but I'm. I was popular over there. And uh, like you leave everything behind and you come to this country and start like with only two bags of clothes and you start your life from like from scratch because you don't have any friends here. Like no connections, no job offers. You you don't really speak language properly and um like you have nothing and it was really depressing at first like for the first six months it was really hard and depressing and really really like like tough so i and, and i still struggle with those feelings i mean right now it's much better but i still like have sort of mixed feelings because you know i left my parents over there and i'm i'm, I'm the only child in the family and all, all things like that, because I've loved a lot of people that I was working with. I already had my team of stylists, makeup artists, and other. And and I think because of that, I experienced this, like, dark and like, depressing emotions. And I think this is where f this image came from. You know, all the, all the things that you just described, you know, being away from home, being feeling sort of isolated in in an entirely new country, new culture, you know, yes. not having any sort of roots there can lead people to be very depressed. And I'm wondering how you, the fact that you could be creative helped you not get completely overwhelmed by all of those circumstances and sort of push your way through. Well, yeah, art helps a lot, of course, like, no, no question. I think, like, I don't like sharing my feelings with people I don't know, and 
people I don't know really good. I can share those only with a couple of my friends. Like from the outside, you can be very positive and like saying I'm fine, but deep inside, you're not fine. And sharing my feelings through the art helps a lot because I don't use words. I use something that I can do, which is photography. And it like sharing feelings helps a lot because first of all, you get really good and positive feedback from people and uh, uh, knowing that people like your work is really like um, it's a really good feeling you know it's a positive emotion and like knowing that your work is good and accepted and acknowledged is really important for an artist this is the first thing and the second thing is that you share your feelings and then you get those messages from people that have same feelings saying like, oh my God, thank you. You helped me. You like describe my feelings and you helped me to like understand them better. And it like, it, it's an, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the image that I just referred to butterflies in my stomach is, has resonated with so many people. And it's not just that they like the look of the photograph, that they think it's a pretty photograph, but that they feel it's really reflective of some of their own personal experience dealing with yeah, exactly. anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And did that surprise you, the reaction that people were having to that shot? Well, the whole reaction really surprised me. Like, I didn't expect that it's going to be that huge and that successful. I didn't expect it at all. And that was really, really good and, like, amazing and surprising for me. And how did you put the shot out there? I know that you have a blog and you have a website and that you're on Instagram. How did you first put out that, that shot and... You mean, well, like I, where did I post it? Yeah, where did you post it? Because it seems like it, it became, it went viral. When I'm just curious in terms of how, how you were distributing that and the other images that, and which eventually garnered so much attention. Yeah, well, first of all, I posted on my all on all my social media like Instagram and Facebook. Uh, well, I've gotten a pretty much, like a lot of likes and feedback, but it didn't go viral at that point. Second, I posted a um, YouTube video on my YouTube channel where I uh, shared some of behind the scenes about making the photograph, mm -hmm. how I like did the setup, and the three-minute time-lapse how I edit this photograph. And at first, I mean, yeah, I've got some feedback. Uh, I've got some views on YouTube, but not, not much. And I was a little bit uh, you know, upset because I expected more. And then my husband posted on it on Reddit. <laughs> okay. And only after that, it's gone huge. I've gotten my an, e an email from Petapixel uh, with a requirement of uh, like featuring on their website. And then after Petapixel posted it, everybody posted it. Board Panda, App Stoppers, like everybody. <laughs> I, I guess you're holding your husband a commission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm very thankful. Yeah, and I've got tons of views on YouTube channel right now. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching the video about the behind the scenes, uh, about how you created it. That was really fascinating. Thank you. Uh, why did you start creating the, you know, the behind the scenes videos showing you at, at work? Well, because people really love it. People, love, people, people really enjoy watching uh, behind the scenes and like editing process. Also, I felt like I needed to share the process 
sometimes I get messages where people don't believe, believe that like I use real props on a set. They say like it's all photoshopped, but it's not. Like mm. in, in the case of the butterflies image, you can see on the behind the scenes video that I used an actual like life size skeleton plastic skeleton which i bought online and like um not real butterflies but actual butterflies you know not they're not photoshopped yeah so i actually took all those photos by myself with the same setup with the same lighting like everything was um you know not just a clip art from like google or like any you know image websites uh and i th thought that it's really important to share that i've really used real things, you know, real props on my set so people can see how it's done. And also maybe uh, it also helps uh, as a marketing tool, you know, to promote yourself as an artist and um, promote your workshops so people can see that it might be interesting to attend my workshop, for example. So, yeah. When you when you come up with the concepts, how, how do you sort of come about, about them? Do you have an idea in your head? Do you jot it in a notebook? Do you, like you know, go shopping for odds and ends, you see something and that serves as an inspiration for, for, a sh for a shot. How do you sort of come about with the ideas that eventually uh, end up as your photographs? Well, I always say that an inspiration comes from an inspired person. So I always search online. Like I look through tons of photographs, not every day, but very often. Like I just browse, you know, pictures to find inspiration, not only photographs, but paintings, illustrations. I love uh, um, like uh, modern artists installation who, who do installations because I, I love using props on my photographs and installations as well. So I love uh, looking on installations, um, uh, movies. I like all this information I store inside of myself. And then in some point, at some point when I see something, like I see uh, some location or I see a prop in the store and this idea just comes up to me. Or I do research and then I like draw a sketch of an idea and I create mood boards and storyboards with references and color palettes and um, all these things come into one piece. But yes, yeah, sometimes, like you said, it happens when I just go grocery shopping and then... I see something and I'm just like, boom, an idea comes up. Or I just go to the park and I see this like piece of wood and like, yes, this is it. I'm going to make it like a photo. Like, I'm going to make it a photograph. You know, what's interesting about your eerie photographs is that a lot of the times that the image we just talked about was shot in studio against the backdrop. But many of your images happen out in the field where you actually take the model out. And instead of just sort of compositing someone that shot in the studio and then putting them out and juxtaposing them with, with the background. And I'm wondering why that's important to you in many of your shots to actually have the model in the location when you're photographing. Yes. I'm actually not a studio photographer. I don't shoot in a studio. Not at all. Sometimes I do, but most of the times I don't shoot in a studio. I do my self-portraits sometimes, and it's not in a studio, it's in my apartment. <laughs> I have a backdrop in my apartment and uh, lights. But I don't know. First of all, I don't like artificial lightning. So even if I use like flash heads or flash speed lights, I always uh, combine it with a natural light and I go outside on location. Second, I don't like like playing one color background. 
I like location because, first of all, I like when background is um, real and uh, like the surroundings are a, a part of uh, the story I tell in my photographs. It's really important to me. Um, not just, you know, plain studio space with nothing in it. So when it's a park or a forest or some kind of location, it's a part of a story. And you, did you, do you find that that really helps both you and the model sort of get into the mood of the moment? I think so. I think also like props and costumes help a lot for a model, you know, to imagine herself as a character, as a, I don't know, fairy tale, like as a fairy or whatever. Do you find that when you're choosing a model, I don't know how many of them are professional models, how much of them are amateurs or friends. What difference does it make in terms of either when it comes to making your photographs? Do you find it's more advantageous to have one kind of person as opposed to another? Well, it's actually an interesting question because I usually don't work with professional models. Pretty much all of my models are just my friends or the girls I find on social media. Um, well, first of all, I don't like dealing with all these agencies, you know, and paperwork, and it's just too complicated for me. I just want to, you know, take a picture. Um, and because um, my work is not commercial work most of the times, so it's easier for me because I don't need any kind of documents. I just sign a model re release with a girl and that's pretty much it because, you know, I don't, it's not an advertised work, you know. Right. Also, for me, it's most, m more important for me, not her experience. The girl can have absolutely no modeling experience. But for me, much more important is her appearance, her look first, because when I come up with an idea, I search for a certain look of a model. You know what I mean? Like certain appearance, um, maybe certain hair color or certain face features. Um, and second for me is very important that the mo model is willing to do anything I say. Like if I say like go into the mud, she goes to the mud. Or like if I say we're going to shoot it in the winter and it's going to be cold and she like should be okay with that. Mm -hmm. you know? Or if I say like we're going to have a photo shoot with a live foxes like real life animals and she should not be scared to like hold them or to get close to them because i remember once i did a photo shoot with this girl it was a long time ago it was like six or five years ago and i wanted her to lay down into the grass and i even not like on the background i put my reflector on on the ground and i've asked her to like lay down in the grass and she said oh my god no I won't do that because I'm afraid of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, really, it's important for a girl to be, like, brave and willing to get cold, to get dirty, or to get, like, you know, to do things she's not comfortable with. Do you find sometimes that you have to do that yourself? Do you, for some of your shots, do you have to take some risks, push yourself, do something that's uncomfortable in order to get your photograph? Oh, yeah, yeah. I Even now, I sometimes I feel a little bit uncomfortable when I go to location and I start shooting and I use, like, all these props and costume and people just stare <laughs> <laughs> or come to you and ask some weird and, like, questions. Sometimes it gets really uncomfortable because some people are friendly and are nice and, like, they respect your, like, personal um, space and privacy they just look or like 
ask a question and go. But some people can get really annoying and weird, like because two girls are alone taking pictures in a park and some strange men come come to you and starting like this really weird conversation and you have this all expensive equipment with you and you was like oh man what should i do like yeah i was gonna i was gonna say this sounded like guy stuff yeah like he can be aggressive you don't know this person he can be like i don't know you know dangerous or something yeah so this is this can be like hard sometimes so yeah i always try to bring my husband or some friends to like assist and help you know yeah, I, I saw a video I think someone did about they were at a shoot and then these guys kept pestering them, lingering, staring at the at the photographer and the model while they were trying to do their shoot and just being very yeah. creepy. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and also about the models. Uh, the, the, another reason uh, why I love working with non-professionals because I feel like those girls appreciate you more, you know, because professionals are like, okay, this is just another gig. I'm going to like pose. They're going to be professional, but she doesn't really appreciate it because she already has tons of pretty pictures. But when you do a photo shoot for a girl that like she has only like cell phone pictures in her Facebook profile. And when you do this pretty photographs with a professional camera, she's like, oh my God, (laughs) she loves them and she really appreciates it. And like, I feel like it's much easier for me. You know, you said, uh, as you mentioned before, that you teach workshops. Yes, I do. People, you know, try to learn how you make your photographs. What do you think is the most important thing for people to take, take away when they're learning this process of, you know, coming up with a concept, photographing you know, an amateur model, post-processing. What's, what's sort of a real important takeaway beyond the technical in order to really succeed in making really good photographs? Um, I talk a lot about inspiration, about how I come up with ideas, all the process of pre-production. I think it's really important and I really feel like satisfied and uh, pleased when people send me feedback messages after the workshop saying thank you you if you've inspired me so much i've been doing all this family wedding commercial photo shoots for the past i don't know like for the past year but i always wanted to do some more but i like i didn't have ideas or inspiration or time or whatever and after your workshop i finally started doing that, started doing more art. And I think this is really important for me as a like teacher, you know, and as an inspirational person, you know, like, like a motivational and inspirational person, you know. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a tough question. I like so many photographers. I follow so many people. And um, uh, it, it's really hard to say because, I don't know. Can I not answer this question? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, because, I don't know, if I, if I mention some, one name, some of my friends might get offended. Like, like why didn't you mention me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Anya, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed uh, having a chance to learn more about you and your and your work. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you. 
Thanks again for joining us, and to Anya for sharing her time and her story. To find out more about her work, visit anya-auntie.com. And if you're in the Los Angeles area next month, consider joining me for a two-day street photography workshop beginning on September 8th. It's an intensive course that will help you get past any obstacles or fears that you may have when it comes to practicing street photography. Not only will we explore great locations in both Hollywood and Los Angeles, but we will have detailed critique sessions that will allow you to discover what it means to create great street photography. To find out more and to register for the remaining spots, visit lacphoto.org or click on the link in the show notes. And thank you for your continued support of The Candid Frame. If you haven't already, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Your ratings and comments help people to discover the great conversations like the one you heard today. Thanks to Warwick D. Sydney and James Dory from Australia for their five-star reviews. I so appreciate it. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or you'll find a link in the show notes and the Candid Frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on the donate button on the Candid Frame website or the show notes. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows. It's the fastest and most convenient way to hear and save any of the great interviews we present here at TCF. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at Ibarionex. And this is Ibarionex, and this is The Candid Frame.